Hello and welcome to New Time Religion, a podcast featuring Dr. Andy Root, produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard. Uh, it's been a while, and it is good to have you with us again. We both had very busy summers. We had a lot of stuff going on. We put a little break on the show, but we are excited to be back with another round of episodes that's going to run us through this winter and into the spring and hopefully even beyond that. But in these past few months, there is a lot that has changed. There's a lot that's changed since we first started this podcast. There's been the global pandemic. There's been political turmoil. There's been these big issues of race and justice and equality that have been on the minds of most people. There is just a lot going on in society. And so for this first episode, I wanted to know what Andy thinks about all this, because he's a guy that spends a lot of time and reflection and study and conversation with philosophers and thinkers like Charles Taylor and Hartmut Rosa and others that we've talked about in previous episodes of this show. And so to kick things off for this new season of the podcast, I simply asked Andy, how was your study of these subjects, like Taylor's secular age and Rosa's ideas of time constantly speeding up, how has that shaped the way that you see things in today's modern day? How has that shaped your understanding of what's going on around us? And what are those implications for those of us who live and work in the church world? And so to kick things off, here's Andy. Yeah, I mean, so th that's a really great question. In, in some ways, my initial reaction to that is that Taylor just always stays pretty static. Like, and I don't mean that as a negative thing, but but there's a there's a sense of Taylor. Maybe it's because he just turned ninety, and we should probably on this podcast say happy birthday to Charles Taylor because I think in just you know like the last, depending on when you're listening to this, obviously, but in the last two weeks or so, he turned ninety years old. So, um, man, I hope that I'm nearly. I hope I'm breathing at 90, let alone as productive as uh, good Wouldn't old Chuck Taylor. Great? Oh my gosh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I think I've told you this before, but I the the one time that I've had to interact with him was in a cafe in Montreal, and this was like maybe two years ago. So he's like 88, you know, 87, and he just was so like he he could hear everything. There was all this you know noise around him and people asking him what he wants to drink while we're while we're sitting in there. And he never just he never lost a beat. You know he was it was just amazing. Like the one thing I came away, you admire him so much for his mind, but I came away just admiring him for his like health. And he's like you know six four, and I felt like he could beat me up if that was his style, which that's not his style. He's very ironic and kind and all things like that. So part of my answer to like living it up a post or continued COVID world with these thinkers is that um, the initial kind of reaction is kind of, well, that Taylor's Taylor stuff just stays pretty steady and, and, and helpful where uh, Rosa becomes really interesting to think about. And Rosa is much more kind of active in the, in the, the, the zeitgeist. See what I did there? Cause he's German. Um, you know, he's like in I the, that reference, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like in the, he's, 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 he's He's talking in the German media and things like that, which some of it I can't follow because I don't speak German well enough. But um, so I, that's what I would initially say. But these two ways that you referenced it are really interesting. Like you just you talked about COVID and like the political turmoil and, and things like that. And I do think that there's ways that both of these thinkers help us think about both of these realities. And I think it's fair to say that here we are 
post-January 6th, moving towards an anniversary, a, a diabolical anniversary of, of the of the January 6th, uh, um, you know, raiding of the Capitol, and uh, then still locked inside of COVID here. And the, the things that kind of come to mind is that I think we all kind of agree that the project of liberal democracy is uh, in somewhat in, in peril here, or we could be at a huge kind of transition point. And I've been talking to my son about this. So Owen is uh, doing like first college visits and stuff. So he's a, he's a junior. And he, wow, that's crazy. It is crazy for you because you used to sit in my classes and I'd tell you stories about him when he was like four. You know what I mean? Yep, so, yep. Um, and now he's, he's kind of getting ready to, to go off to college, if someone could, if they could see us, if our if our listeners could see our Zoom right now and the way I look, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this guy has to have a near college student. If not, like, he looks like he's ready for his first grandkid. I'm a, a mess, but uh, so we're like we're talking about at our dinner table, like just doing the visits and you know getting him to talk at our dinner table is its own alchemy of you know a miracle, <laughs> trying to make that happen in itself. But you know we. I, we're just talking about like what he wants to do and he spent so much time on in, on his computer and is really into coding and things like that but he's also kind of into philosophy and i wondered with him and this is something to kind of think about as as listeners here but that these big at least within modernity these big huge philosophical transitions are just huge moves of of ways of of rethinking who we are have often happened around transitions in the larger kind of uh, social political structures that we live in. So Taylor himself, you know, is it really cuts his teeth, at least early in his career, being a Hegel scholar and writing a really interesting book on Hegel. And the most interesting thing about Hegel to me, or at least what gives flesh to Hegel's sometimes incomprehensible thought, is that he is writing, he's of the generation that's really celebrating the complete overthrow of the ancient regime. I mean, there's the first of all, there's the sense that he, he comes of age during the French Revolution, which is pretty amazing, um, and that's incredibly world shaking. I mean, we 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 can't even get a hold of how world shaking that is when when the the power structure that controls the apparatus of punishment gets turned on the king. Like the king's job was to to control that, and then that gets turned on the king and Louis the 16th and um uh, uh gets the meets miss Gal, you know meets madame galatine and uh and and loses his head uh that's huge but so hegel is really writing then he comes of age writing when napoleon has has taken over and it is this huge different move from the ancient regime to a whole political a different political system and so talking to my son maybe maybe being a little bit uh, hyperbolic, but thinking like he, he is coming of age where potentially like liberal forms of democracy are going to implode. And maybe it would be worth him studying and doing a double major in philosophy and computer science because maybe our next form of government is going to be being overseen by like huge algorithms of big data or something. You know what I mean? So, um, so Taylor does help us think about those things. Is it worth holding on to democracy? Why should we hold on to democracy? And there was a review of Taylor recently that I read um, that really did ask the question, what, what is Taylor... Uh, maybe I don't actually remember where I saw this, but like, what is Taylor more ultimately committed to? Like, what where is his deeper normative commitment? Is it to, 
you know, belief in the sense of Christian belief um, in his Catholicism, or is it his commitment to liberal democracy? And um, I think there's a case to be made that at the core, that those things, those things maybe could be separated from Taylor, but his deep loves for them would be like trying to choose between children. Like he really does deeply believe in um, the importance of of kind of liberal democracy. And so we're seeing ourselves at the kind of, of the perils of that. And it's interesting to think about people doing ministry where at the very least we're in a moment where, where that feels really up in the air. You know, that feels really, really up in the air. Yeah. So, so that's one. Um, and the other is just that inside of the pandemic, we've, we've, we've had such issues with how we deal with speed. You know, like I think one of the things that's exposed so much is, is how we deal with speed. And, and what I mean by that is the kind of duality or the split within us that we just want things to go faster in the sense of, first of all, it was just get vaccines out faster now just get them across the world faster now it's just change people's minds faster so they get them or get get people boosted faster there's been this deep sense of of speed and the necessity of speed and uh and yet at the same time we felt you know really penetrating painful slowdowns in the regular orders of our lives or i don't know how other people are feeling here as we're talking at the end of 2021 but it feels like as we've kind of gone back to some kind of normal or at least in at least in North America I guess I would say at least in America we're not going to probably go back to any major shutdowns I think that that uh, ship has sailed so we're kind of sort of sort of kind of back to normal but with all the anxiety of sickness and taking care of people and maybe smaller children who can't be vaccinated or whatever um but there is this kind of sense of now you're kind of back to normal and you figure you you find out really quickly you don't have the energy for it. Like you can't go at the pace that you used to go. And that feels awful because the the spirit really is willing, but the the flesh is weak. Um, but maybe the spirit was in some ways corrupted by that acceleration. And so it's funny you say that actually. We just had church last night. It was a Wednesday night and in our church that's the big service of the week for young families and stuff and I was just talking with my wife after I got home and she goes, people just seem tired. Like everybody right now is just tired. And I think that is, uh, that's the zeitgeist right now. It's to, it's totally the zeitgeist right now. So yeah, those, those two realities are, are huge, I think for us. And the other thing that's interesting where they come together and another thinker we haven't kind of referenced on this podcast yet that we, that I think we'll probably talk more and more as we go, is another Berlin, uh, well, I shouldn't say another Berlin-based thinker, but a Berlin-based thinker. I think we have two Berlin-based thinkers that we may talk about on this podcast, but there's a Berlin-based thinker who's actually Korean, and his name is uh, Bayum Chul Han, and he's written a lot of really interesting stuff and and has, has these interesting things on time. So there's ways that he really agrees with Rosa and ways that he kind of push back, pushes back in, in ways with Rosa. It's, it's sometimes a little hard to be clear on what he's pushing back against. But he does this really interesting thing bringing together kind of Western thought and Eastern thought and talking about how time itself has a scent to it. So he has this book called The Scent of Time that's uh, really quite provocative. And all his like, books like are, scent, like you would smell. Like you with your smell nose. it. Like time is something you smell. Yeah. 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 Like time is something you smell. And he he does this little 
he all of his work are like these essays so their books are really short and then they're they're there's not like a through line it's just like multiple different kind of essays and one of them when he talks about the smell the scent of time he talks about how there used to be clocks in like ancient china that that used smell as a way to, to keep time which is fascinating and it's also fascinating that they think They've done these experiments with dogs. We're, we're, we're going some major areas in this podcast, Derek. But uh, they've done these studies with these with dogs where there's certain dogs that know exactly when, like, their, their owners or, you know, I don't know. I, I still call my dog, you know, like, owner. I don't, you know, call it my, my dog child or something like that. But they are aware when their loved one is coming back. And they're like, how do these dogs tell time? Like, within... 15, 20 minutes, they, they become very aware that this person they love is going to come home from, from work. And one of the theories is that dogs actually can keep time by smelling. So when your scent dissipates at a certain level and they put together when, it, when the scent kind of starts to, to dissipate at that level that usually they're in, in a pretty ritualized way, you come home. So they start anticipating because the lack of your scent that you're, you're coming home. So so my stink has a half life, and my golden retriever can tell like when the half life of my exactly man pits is disappearing out of the house. And dogs That's are really magic that way, bro. Dogs are just magic that way. So there is a there is this kind of this sense of the scent of time. I don't know. That's just a total like parenthetical thing to make people you know really think as they try to wake up in the morning and listen to this as they're you know taking their their first coffee. But the connection point with thinking about Han between Taylor and Rosa is Han has a, a few essays on COVID and he does really wonder, you know, as a Western-based Korean Eastern thinker, he's like the the East is doing better with COVID than the West. Like the the West COVID has revealed huge fissures and issues with just the Western conception of life, but also the Western conception of of what it means to be human, of what what it means to be what what freedom looks like, of what you know just individuality means. Um, and he's not necessarily glorifying kind of Eastern perspectives necessarily, but he's saying you know across very different cultural realities in the East, whether it is China or Japan or South Korea or Taiwan um, or Singapore, that. They, they've obviously had their problems with COVID, but also done a better job where the West from Western Europe to, to North America has really, really struggled with it and ultimately seen it as like fronts on freedom or direct uh, underpinning, uh, like, like knocking us off balance of what a good life is or turning us against each other in, in certain ways. And there have been all sorts of theories that the 21st century may be the Asian century. Like it may be the end of the, the American century, which has, you know, been, been with us for, you know, at least since the end of world war, world war two, it's been the American century. So, you know, the second half of the 20th century, maybe after world war one, but uh, there is, there are all sorts of you know, theorists and historians that wonder if we're not entering into the the Asian century will be the 21st century. So uh, it's interesting to think about what that will mean, what that will mean for how we think about things like surveillance and how we think about things like freedom and and uh, and if we'll just ultimately choose that we don't we don't think uh, we think representative democracy is too slow or uh, we have contingents across our society like we saw on January 6th who just who ultimately are opposed to 
liberal democracy. And we actually have groups on both the far right and the far left that for the most part are not all that keen on the goods of liberal democracy. And so, uh, and that puts pastors in a kind of tough spot because where do you, you know, how do you, how do you think about that? And how do you think about the American project and the longevity of the American project? And no one wants to be co-opted into the American project or just the liberal project if you're not in America. Um, so yeah, trying to balance is that good or what, what, what will come next and, and what kind of new philosophical and theological um, work will need to be done if we do start to see ourselves. I know this is now starting to sound like in a you know a, in a, a post-apocalyptic podcast, but if we do see see new forms of the way we govern ourselves evolving in the next you know thirty to fifty years or something, that will mean all sorts of new ways of um, doing both theological and philosophical anthropology will will evolve. New Time Religion is a podcast featuring Dr. Andy Root, produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard. We're just starting our new season, so you can look forward to a bigger batch of episodes coming your way very soon. And if you want some more Andy content in the meantime, you can check out his YouTube channel, where he recently put out some great videos for congregations that break down the bigger ideas of Charles Taylor and Hartmut Rosa and others that we talk about regularly on this podcast. You can also swing over to Amazon and grab Andy's three-part series of books on the secular age. The trilogy is complete. You can also grab all of his other books, pump up those book sales. Uh, But thanks again so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for another round of New Time Religion.